Father, I pray tonight, even if anybody doesn't want to, I pray through this media that's watching tonight. I pray for each and every one of us that you would come and consume. Lord, we give you permission tonight to break through into bitterness, to break through into hard, hardened hearts, negativity, ungodliness, compromise, lack of dedication, lukewarmness. Lord, break in tonight in Jesus' name. Come and turn our lives upside down, Father. Because there's no better place than being in right standing with the Father. And I thank you, Lord, that your word says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because you've set us right, Lord. But if we've drifted, we just ask that you would forgive us tonight. We come into a place tonight, Lord, where we stop and pause. And, and we just consider your greatness again and your goodness. Your love for us, come and consume us with all you are, Lord. Come and have your way tonight, Father. Thank you, Father, that we could sense the wonderful presence of your anointing in this place. We know that you will speak to us tonight. I pray, God, that people will not just be hearers of the word, as James says, and deceive ourselves, but that we will become doers of the word. And as we hear this word, that there will be an impartation of the Holy Spirit on every hearer tonight. That we will become doers of this word we will hear tonight. That it will be activated in our hearts. Whatever is preventing this word from being active, I want to pray that you would deal with that, Lord, in our hearts tonight. Purify us, cleanse us, and make us ready to receive right now your word. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege we have tonight to be in his presence like this. Praise God. Wasn't that good worship? Thank you, guys. Praise the Yeraman. We can just continue like this. I love it, eh? What I do know is we also need the word. The word has a priority place in the ministry. And so we need to give preeminence to the word of God as well, which is really, really important. So good. So good to be back. I just want to thank Emil, Donkey, our dynamic cameraman Yeah, <laughs> Wasn't that an amazing word on, on depression last Sunday? Amen. Thank you, Lord. It was such a refreshing look at it from God's point of view and just such a... Such a common sense look at, at that subject. Praise God. Just thank you so much, man. So good to be back. Tonight I want to talk to you on, on, the, on the subject of love. You know, I'm feel a letter word. Love. I loves you. <laughs> There's this word been abused so many times in, in so many ways. But tonight I really pray that we bring perspective to this word. Even the birds are listening. <laughs> Praise God. So we just welcome everybody here tonight, including those by way of media. May God really bless us and may we really hear something tonight. 
You know, Mother Teresa said something very powerful, and the quote is up there. She says, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God. You see, God wants to write messages with our lives. He wants to write messages for, with our lives. And she says, because he's sending a love letter to the world. What is God writing with your life tonight? Because if you proclaim to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you tell me you're a Christian tonight, then God should be able to write with your life a love letter. Amen. Of you a stump potlood. You're a stump potlood. That was for the English. <laughs> a blunt pencil, unsharpened. What is it for you tonight? Just listen to this amazing quotation by Gabriel Sorgen Kickengart. Just imagine being born in that family. What's your surname? Kickengart. But he had a lot to say and he wrote some amazing stuff. But I want you to listen to this because this is really powerful. This is the foundation of the love that has been poured out into our hearts. Just listen to these words. He says, when one has fully entered the realm of love, that agape love, that God love, when you fully entered into that love and that love has taken hold of your life. Amen. Is there anybody who, who's, who's, this love has taken hold of your life? Anybody? 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 Should I speak in Greek now? Because some of you are like, not sure. Should I put up my hand now? What? Um, I saw all those hands on the video because they knew what I was talking about there. But, but listen what he says. He says, when one has fully entered the realm of this agape love, the world, no matter how imperfect the world, becomes rich and beautiful. It consists solely of this, of opportunities to love. Because you see, when we're loveless, we're judgmental, we're critical, we find fault with people. We skinner, we backbite, we, we, we become unspiritual. We Love is not touchy. Hello. And we become all of this stuff. But what is he saying here is when I've embraced this love, then no matter what's going on in the world, I have one sense to do this. is for God to write with my life a love letter wherever I go. Because you see, when we come with love, nothing can, can stand in front of us. Isn't that just so absolutely amazing? This agape love, this Greek word agape, which is the, the pinnacle of love. It's love that consumes the person who experiences it. You see, when you experience Jesus as your Lord and Savior, many of us weren't even fully aware of it. You know what? I love a day when, when, when people come to the Lord and you're like some of these bikers, they're raw folks and they get saved and they come to Jesus. And there's many of you sitting here. Uh, not that you were that rough, but you know what I mean. And let me talk about me. But, but you know what was wonderful? When I got saved, all of a sudden, I saw, I saw the, the new day. I saw the trees. I saw the fleas. I saw the bees. Hey? All of a sudden, I just love the world. I want to hug everybody. It was just lacquer. Amen. That's why we're a huggy, lacquer church here. The Oaks come here the first time. Hello, visitors tonight. You come here, the Oaks hug you. You're like hugging a tree. Eh? <laughs> Three weeks later, you're also hugging everybody. We love one another. It's lacquer to do that. Because this is what love does to us. Listen to this. A guy by the name of Paolo Kahlo says this. Whoever knows and experiences this agape, when you know it and you've experienced it, he says you learn that nothing else in the world is important. Just love. Amen. And you see, 1 Corinthians 13.3, I don't have it up there, but it says, 
If we don't have love, we gain nothing. Just go read Corinthians 13. He says, you're just a loud-sounding symbol, man. Jy is net a groot blik met, met uh, a leer blik met a paar klippe in. But you see, there's this incredible thing called love, this love that is poured out into our lives. And, and so when I think about this, and, and, and it, it must be just a love that we must want to live with and for because of what Jesus did in our lives. Many times, we want to place that love responsibility upon the actions, the attitudes, and the reactions of others. If you first love me, then I will love you. If you're nice to me, I will be nice to you. Did you know that that is not agape love? That is from the pit of hell. Amen. Not your little word for not. Because we all want to be loved. We all want to be admired. We all want to be respected. We all want people to love us. Don't we want to? But that's not the basis of agape love. Listen to me. That is simply on the basis of selfishness, self-interest, self-serving, self-centered. Because your love is determined how others love you. We got to love the unlovable. I've always said it. Your highest achievement in love is to love those who you love the least. <laughs> Shall I say that again? I'm not too sure I can because I can't remember. That was a big one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You see, true, true love, God's love, agape love, begins with you and me. And we radiate it. It's not conditional. The ox come and say, I don't love my wife anymore. I don't love my husband anymore. Let me tell you something. Because it's, we're not talking about lust now. We're talking about love. Love is a, a, it's a verb word. It's a verb. It's something you do. Amen. It's not something... My, if I have my feelings are not right, now I don't love you anymore. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that stuff. Amen? You know how hard Jesus spoke to the chaleerdes of the day, the learned people of the day. Just listen to this, how he puts them on their place. And listen to this. He has, he has a good message in here for a couple of things. Listen to this. Woe to you Pharisees. Yalla chaleerdes, you slim oaks. Listen to this. For though you are careful to tithe, who knows tithing is real and it's for today. And read all this other trash that comes into the world. I've been tithing since I got saved 46 years now. I think so, 47 years now. We've been tithing and I tell you it works. Jesus acknowledges that they tithe. He says you even give the smallest part of your income. Ach, jylle so goed. <laughs> I said, Lord, if this church would just do that, that would be awesome. Let me tell you, since COVID, eh, the income is not growing because a lot of people are concerned about finances. I just want to say this. You cannot afford not to tithe. Because if you want God's blessing and the windows of heaven open over you, then you need to give God's portion. Amen. But that was a lack of opportunity. <laughs> because Jesus said it. Now listen to this. He says... You completely forget about justice and the love of God. Because listen what he said, you should tithe. Can, can I say that? Say with me tonight, I should tithe. <laughs> you believe that? Right, I'm checking the bank balance next week. <laughs> you should tithe. Yes, he says. Jesus says it. He, he instructs it. He says, but you should not leave these other things undone. He says, you should love. 
Die liefde is so belangrijk. But what I've learned in life is when you really love him, then you do those obedient things, like tithe. But you see, these oaks have come with all the practical and the doing things, but they lost the love of God. And that's what the Bible says. Jesus says it in Revelation to the churches. He says, I've got this against you because you've left your first love. You don't love me like you used to love me anymore. So he has a powerful warning for the end times. And we've been speaking a lot about the end times over these last few weeks. But, but just listen to this. This is like really powerful because it brings perspective to this issue of love. Jesus in Matthew 24, 10 through 13 says this. He said, at that time, which time? When it, just before Jesus is going to come. As the end times culminate and come together, there's going to be evidence that Jesus is on his way. He has the evidence. Many, say with me, many. It's not a few, no? That's a many. Many will turn away from what? From the faith. And you know what? Because they've turned away from the faith, because without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6 says so. And, and Jesus, didn't Jesus say these words? And I preached it here quite a few times. Jesus said, when I return one day, will I still find faith in the earth? We need to be living by faith. Our walk is by faith. Amen. He says, so what's going to happen is many are going to turn away from this faith and, and here's the result. They will begin to betray one another and they will hate each other. Can you see the clear sign that love is gone? Die lift is weg because they're hating one another. And it's like that. And you find that in the church amongst the Christians. They don't dig one another. We're intolerant of one another. Amen. You see, not everybody's as lovable and likable like me. You always like me. But I'm going to put up some of you, and it's difficult, but I love you. You think about that a little bit. But it's true. We need to be tolerant of one another. Jesus says they're going to hate each other, but it gets better. Here's the warning. He says many false prophets will appear, and they're going to deceive many. Unfortunately, there's outstanding in churches preaching, big mega churches, and they're preaching stuff, and it's tickling the ears of the people, and they're not telling them the truth, and they're, getting, they're drifting away from the truth. Thousands of people. Now listen, verse 12. Because of the increase, listen to this, of wickedness, what's going to happen? The love of most will grow cold. I'm talking about love tonight. I'm talking about Jesus talking about love. I'm talking about us walking in this anointing called love. What's going to be the sign? People are going to lose their faith. And because they lose their faith, they're not going to want to seek Jesus as, as they should seek Jesus. They're going to have a religious life and their faith. And he says most of, will grow cold. Most, not some most. Now, can you imagine if we looked at this church tonight and this was real for this church. If Jesus walked in and said most of your love is going to grow cold, who would be Most. You see, probably only this little group here. Aren't you happy I included you lot tonight? And f sorry, yellow. But the rest of the, of the oak is the most in this place. Amen. <laughs> that was a Gino move, that. <laughs> But, but do you understand what Jesus is saying? You need to see it. You need to understand it. You need to understand it in your heart so that you guard your heart so that you walk in this wonderful love that God has given you that he's called us to walk in obedience in this love. Because he says, because of the increase in wickedness, the love of us will grow cold. And then he says, but the one who stands firm, stands firm in what? In love to the end will be saved. Powerful word that, eh? 
And so then in Romans, Paul talking to the Roman church, this is what he says here. Romans 12, verse 9 through 10, he says, Love is to be sincere. That must echvius. He says, Love is to be active. It needs to be the real thing, the real McCoy. <laughs> he says, Without guile, but it actually means a dishonest behavior. And Afrikaans betekent it bedrog. You must leave a son bedrog. Because there's some people who love people only to get something out of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you something. That happens all the time. He says, without guile, son of a drog, and hypocrisy, without being a hypocrite. Now listen to what he says here. Hate what is evil and detest all ungodliness and do not tolerate wickedness. What did Jesus say in the end times is going to happen? He says, Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and they will hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And this is what he says. Because of the increase in, of wickedness, Paul says to the Romans church over here, he says, hate what is evil. Hate the wicked stuff. He says, why? Because you know what? It's going to take you down a road you don't want to go. That's why it's so important to embrace this incredible love and, and live on this love. What's it? S for the spirit. <laughs> Sorry, I just checked the balloon in the roof there. Hallelujah. It's a real, it's a balloon. I'm not seeing things. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Tolerate wickedness. Now, now, listen what he says here. Hold on tightly to what is good. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection. That would be a lifter. He says, as members of one family, he says, give preference to one another in honor. Can I just say this? It's not possible if the Holy Spirit doesn't live in us to love like God loves. He empowers me to love that kind of way. I love Ephesians 3 from verse 16 through 20. Go read it. Always, always encourage you. And when you read it, change the word there to you, put your name in there, and you'll understand what I mean when you do it. But, but just listen to this. In Ephesians 3.17, Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? Through what church? Through faith. And what did he say here in the last days? Many will turn from the faith. Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? Through faith. And may have been deeply rooted, securely grounded in love. I want to say this. No root, no fruit. Deep root, good fruit. And he says that we will be rooted and grounded. So when the storms come and the difficulties come and the ugly people attack your life and they say bad things about you and your little boompy is like this. You lack a fascia on the ground. <laughs> you ain't going anywhere. And you just show love. You begin to be Jesus to people. Isn't that so beautiful? Listen, Colossians 3.14. Paul speaking again to the Colossians church. He says, beyond all, have you ever wondered why he had to write all the stuff to the church? Because they were just like us. <laughs> okay, like some of us. <laughs> Listen, beyond all these things, put on. Say put on. And say, wrap yourselves. What does that mean? Put on. Trek them on. Wrap yourself. It must be you. It must be you. As I go check, you get wrapped. 
Not the one you get there from, what's that? From Wimpy or something. A rap. And it's not like it sings either, that stuff. It's not music. But anyway, let me not go down that road now. He says, beyond all things, put on and wrap yourselves, what? In unselfish love. So none of it must be seen in our lives. God's going to see it. He says, which is the perfect bond of unity. You know, we love that scripture in Psalm, uh, uh, Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. He says, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Hallelujah. This wonderful. That loves us early, many bar from Aaron. Yes, and it sounds so geostalic. Let me tell you something. There will only be unity when we have unity with him. And that unity flows into this direction. That's when unity comes. And that's exactly what he says. He says, put on and wrap yourself with unselfish love, which is the perfect bond. It bonds it together. It holds it together. He says, for everything is bound together. Put on. Wrapped. It's bound together. In an agreement. When each one seeks, listen, the best for others. Our biggest problem is we live on our own island. As our eyes are open, and break your stick off like they're wegdriven. And so, Kelly is on my own, like I asked for no more. And people have become harsh and hardened towards people in need. Yeah, hello. And we're not generous with one another. We don't open up our hearts for people. And this scripture is telling us that we must give the best for others. Because it's simply this Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks, we stand at attention. Also with Paul, though. But listen to this. Jesus says, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Live within my love. Where must we live? Within Jesus' love. He says, when you obey me, you are living in my love. How do you know when you're living, when you're loving? You'll know it. Why? Because you're living within him and obedient to him. An obedient life will always love. Amen? He says, when you obey me, you're living in my love, just as I obey my Father and live in his love. And we see the beautiful attitude in the Gesundheit von Jesus. The attitude of Christ was so awesome. So here Paul reminds us of this in Romans 5.5. Listen to this. Such hope in God's promises, so feel whoop and say beloved us. He says, never disappoints us. Hey, listen, what he's going to tell you now will never disappoint anybody. Have you ever had disappointing news? Have you ever been expectant and, and then something doesn't happen, you get disappointed? We've all been through that. But I want to tell you, here's something that will, listen to the word, never disappoint you and that is this it's because God's love say God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts how through the Holy Spirit that he's given us you see the fruit of the Spirit is love actually liefde is die vrug in die klein segment kies van die vrug soos a orange you got kindness gentleness excellence, all those lack of fruit. But the whole thing is love. It's bound up in love. And that's the thing that's come into our hearts. How did we get it? By nothing good we did. By simply asking Christ to come into our lives, repenting of our sins, asking Jesus to become Lord and Savior of our lives. By no works of my own. God does it free gratis for nothing. Because He digs us. 
You know, when I was preparing this, I was going to say this in the beginning, but it just reminded me, so I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to say this. A couple of weeks ago, I was sharing the word, and I spoke about Genesis. In Genesis 6, the Bible says that it grieved God's heart that he had made man when he saw the consistent wickedness of their lives. Isn't what he says in the last days is going to be that sign, eh? Think about it a little bit. God creates this beautiful thing called man, breathes in his nostrils a breath of life. He stands up. God has this great plan for man. But, oh, humanity is another animal, let me tell you. Not even the animal kingdoms behave like humanity. And God gets dick with them. But he gets dick to a level that he says, you know what? I should take out these oaks. You know what? They're going to give me grace out of these oaks. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build an ark. What is an ark? Noah. As <laughs> I scope. And he builds this thing. And God graciously, Yah, here family here, and Medidira. And he, and he graciously loves these people, and they start all over again. And you just got to go read scriptures, and you check how humanity falls apart, man. Hey? Terrible, the stuff that people get onto and up to. It is unbelievable. Honestly, if I was God, I would have got rid of the, the, the world. Yeah. Because I, they give, but, but, but I want you to understand how much he really loves us. How much he really loves us. Because we're not the most lovable kind of people, eh? I mean, sometimes you don't even love yourself, man. When you check out in the mirror, you know. But, but you know, God loved us so much. And, but he has this amazing plan. Why? Because he smokes us so much. And here we go, here we go. Until he sends Jesus. To die an eternal death, to seal, which we're going to celebrate tonight, his body and his blood that flowed for us so that we have hope to come to him. And so, what does he do? He sends us the Holy Spirit to come and live in us, and he puts love in us. And he says, Please, man, just love with the love I'm giving you now. You know what? You've done nothing to earn it, but you have it. Gebruik je goed nou. Kom. That's what he's saying. Isn't that so wonderful? Hey? Romans 5, he says, because he's poured out his spirit abundantly, not so much, but a little bit, abundantly he's poured it out in our hearts. Romans 8, 35, beautiful scripture. Listen to this. Who shall ever separate us from the love of, of Christ? Will tribulations? No. Or distress, or persecutions, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Nothing will separate us from the love of God. That's something worth getting excited about. And we see he continues here in Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. He says, for I am convinced, and I continue to be convinced, Paul says, beyond any doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present or threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hij het iets verstaan van die liefde van God. Halleluja. Can I tell you this tonight? Do not separate yourself from your love for God. Because God will not separate himself from you. The only one that can walk away is you. When Jesus says, I've got this against you, you've, 
you don't, your love is not like your first love with me. Come and love me like you've loved me before, is what Jesus was saying. What a powerful word. You see, I, I think about that beautiful scripture. Legalism says God will love us if we change. But you know what the gospel says? God will change us because he loves us. That's the beauty of God. He loves us so much, but he wants us to walk in love. This verse that I'm reflecting on now, I want to call it fearless love. Just listen to the beauty of this. 1 John 4, 18 and 19, he says, there is no fear in love. (laughs) Did you hear that? Say there's no fear in love. Say it. Because you see, I spoke about fear, no fear, two weeks ago. Let me say this. There is no fear in love. Because when I'm walking in his divine love, then I will never fear. Why? Because I know him. I trust him. I know he's going to bring me the breakthroughs. The enemy can come with all his lies, but because love conquers sin, love conquers problems, and you walk in love, the devil had near a fight plaque up your knee. Amen. We must understand what I'm telling you tonight. He said, for because there's no fear in love. He said, dread does not exist. He said, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you, when the Holy Ghost of love came in me, anything that was about fear had to flee. The problem is we went to fetch him and fetch him. (laughs) And so we're carrying this amazing love in us, but we also carry a little bit of fear around with us. Perfect love casts out fear, church. Perfect love casts out fear. And then he kind of explains something here. He says, listen, but perfect, complete love drives out fear. Then he says, because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown in sufficient understanding of God's love. Why? He says, we love. Why? Because he first loved us. So what is he saying here is, when you come to that place in your life where you think, yes, you know, I'm, I'm such a sinner and I keep making these little mistakes, and I don't think, I, has anybody ever thought, yes, Lord, I might just miss heaven? Anybody, come and be honest with me now. Every one of us have thought like that. I think like that. And when I read the scripture, it liberated me. He said, because there's no fear in love. God says, hey, listen to me. You mustn't worry about, look, obviously we've got to live holy lives, but we will mess up, and, but we repent and we change and we move on and we live better. Amen. And we grow in our relationship. You mustn't persist in stuff. Amen. But what is he saying here is he says, perfect love drives out fear. I don't have to fear. Why? Because love lifted me. And I have his love in my heart because I've invited him into my heart. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And so I don't have to fear the punishment one day that I'm going to go to hell. No. You're on your way to heaven, to glory. Amen. So I'm on my way to glory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that encouraging tonight? I've used four P's to describe love. Four of them. Listen to this. And then we're going to take communion. Number one, here's the thing about love. It's the protection of perfect love. Because when I walk in God's love, there's a protection that comes to my life and to your life. This gives us security. This gives us confidence. Isn't that so? When I know I'm walking in God's love, nothing can separate me from this God that has the best plan for my life. Am I going through tough stuff? Yes. But is there a God who loves me and is going to get me through it? Yes. You see, love casts out fear. We don't have to fear. 
Listen, what did he say in Romans 8 verse 39? But this is what he said. For I'm convinced and I continue to be convinced beyond all doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principality nor present nor threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor others will separate us from the love of God. We have an incredible, wonderful protection that God has overshadowed your life. He loves you, church. Say, God loves me. This I know. Because the Bible tells me so. <laughs> Little ones. No, won't go down. <laughs> when we have this perfect love, we will make other people feel secure and confident around us. That's the beauty of this love. Because when I'm around people and I'm showing God's love, people are secure in your presence. They trust you. They have confidence in you. And you encourage people with that love. Because love does that. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is long-suffering. Love overlooks. Isn't that beautiful? Those are the things that we need to be for people out there because Jesus has done that. The second thing, either than the protection of perfect love, the second one is the power of perfect love. I love the scripture in Psalm 36 verse 7. It says, how precious is your love and your kindness, O God. That's what it is, loving kindness. Your love and your kindness to us. What does it do for us? The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Man, ons kruip onder sy arm en niks gaan my seer maak nie. Want hy het my lief, man. Dat is krach. Amen. Hallelujah. This love enables us to change and experience an incredible freedom that he brings from fear and all its forms. That's why Galatians 5.23 says, Love is so powerful, there's no law to even stop it. When you pull up somewhere and you pull up in love, nothing can stop it. Are you with me? Nothing can stop it. So other than the protection of love, the power of perfect love, number three, and I love this because this is true, it's the potential of perfect love enables a few things in our lives. This is what it enables. It enables you to live without condemnation. God, you know what? How many Christians live with condemnation? Romans uh, 8 verse 1 says, now there is no more condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. It's the same as fearing punishment and hell when God's love has loved you and his love is in you and you're on your way to heaven, but you're fearing that you might go to hell. No, no, you need to make Dysar clown now tonight. Tonight you're on your way to glory. Okay. Hallelujah. You live without condemnation. Secondly, you live free from rejection. Oh, there's so many people that have been, negative stuff have been spoken of your life. Your parents said you'll never amount to anything. You know, it's like, you know that bad stuff. So we feel so rejected in life. We get so rejected. We say bad things to one another. We hurt one another. You know, because that's not love. So, so, so we, we need to live fear from rejection, and love enables me to live fear from rejection. It doesn't matter what people say, say about me. It's what God says about me. He says in the Bible that he's made me fearfully and wonderfully. Amen. But God doesn't make mistakes. He loves us, eh? Because just some, no, let me rephrase that, man. Some are better looking than others. That's what I mean. The next thing that love, this perfect love, love enables this, to live free from judgment. Because, you know, one of the first signs is that you're not walking in love. I tell you now, when you begin to judge people, 
when you judge their actions, when you pre-think something. And, and for me, it's a wonderful story here. Is the biggest problem in the church today. We speak the things we have not heard of or don't want to show, on, on show of, or want to tweet the answer information. And then deal on a lekker skin story. Ons weet nie wat die waarheid is nie. Listen, before you open your trap door, <laughs> make sure what you're saying, that you've heard it. And that it's real. And then you analyze it. And then you sift it through the sieve. And then you shake it. Then you bury it six foot underground. And then you dig it up. And then you hang it in a tree for a month. <laughs> and then you say to somebody what you want to say. You're hearing what I'm saying here. Because we live free from judgment. We live free from the fear of man. Oh, young men, sir. Does it come up and say something over here? Oh, pastor, you know me, I'm shy. <laughs> Listen, free fear of man, you're doing it for Jesus. I'm just using that as an analogy. Eh? Picking on nobody here. Live free in love that totally accepts you, forgives you, and restores you. You can live free in that. Isn't that wonderful? Listen to this, 1 Peter 4, 8. In a long he says, above all, yes, this is such a good scripture, above all, just say above all, because you know what that means, above all, no matter what you're doing, above what you're doing, above that, listen to what he says, love each other, how? De- <laughs> Read it loud, yeah, deeply, deeply, sorry, I know we've got a few Afrikaans people, that's why a few English were so quiet, deeply. Deep lifter. Deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't it like When I walk in love, I don't have to walk in judgment of somebody. Because love covers. Love covers. Love protects. When somebody talks bad about somebody, uh, you protect. Love protects. No, I don't want to hear that stuff. It's like <laughs> If somebody's done something wrong, love covers. Just go read 1 Corinthians 13 and, and write them down. I think it's in the home cells for this week. Read them and read them and say, how am I doing with touchy? Love is not touchy. Love is not touchy. <laughs> but we can be so touchy. <laughs> so gevoelig. It's crazy. Anyway, let me carry on here. Love covers a multitude of sins. And now I have to add this in because this brings balance to everything I've said. It's the problem of imperfect love, the one who fears. We need to be so careful because when the love becomes imperfect love, when you're not living and practicing in the knowledge of God's true agape love for your life, when you're not there, listen to it, your life causes others to be drawn away from God by what your life is teaching about God. You say you love God, but the lack of fruitfulness in your life tells people a different story. You can say, because if you hear him, I see the man say, Jesus in your life. Why? Why do I say that? Because Jesus said these words in John 13, verse 34, 35. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. What is the new commandment? The old law has gone away. God's given us a new commandment. And so we will obey all ten commandments because we're going to obey this. Everything's encapsulated in this. And he says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you do what? That you love each other just as I have loved you. How did God love us? Unconditionally, ne? Thank you, that he had me for me. Because there were times I didn't go for myself. 
He says, just as I've loved you, so too you are to love one another. And then listen to what he says here. By this, that we have love for one another. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. How will he know that? If you love and are unselfish and concerned for one another. Bless you. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you know, it's so great to hear a sermon like this. But let me tell you, if we don't begin to put this stuff into practice, church, once there's a clunk in the symbol, we make a lack of noise, but we're not where we should be with Jesus. And nothing's going to change. No sermon is going to change you until you make a choice in your heart to change. Amen. So I want to close off with a story, a true story, a heated discussion with this with these crowd. They were the, the West Point cadets in, overseas. And they were having this black argument, these couple of Christians with some very unbekeerde Tom Owens, Tom Bikers. And they were arguing about the credibility of Christianity. And every time the Christians put a point forward, these guys would say, yeah, but look at this, but say this. And so they kept defeating these Christians and they couldn't, they could just not win an argument because they were, they were kind of nailed. So, all of a sudden, this young guy, looking at them, he says to them, I know Christianity is real. You can imagine. They've just been arguing. They're putting these Christians on their place. Now this little youngster stands up. He says, I know Christianity is real. I mean, you know, they were like, really? <laughs> Listen to this. He says this. They ask him, how do you know it? He says, and he these words. Man, this just moves my heart. He says, he says, because of Jack Montgomery. And it says, the discussion was over. No one could argue with the changed life of a committed Christian walking in love. Are you planning to be a Jack Montgomery? When they have an argument whether Jesus is Lord or he's not or he's real or whatever, but when they look at your life and they're reminded, they say, you know what? Jesus has to be real. I see it in his life. What do they see? Love. It's the pinnacle of all things. Not ons die liefde van die Heere sal I always say agape love is not an optional extra. It's not the GLX model. You happy to have the G model or the GG model? No, no. It's not a GLX model. It's for every child of God who's willing to live in obedience with the Lord. Amen? It is a command for every child of God. It's not just something we decide. I will or I won't. You either have or you haven't. That's the bottom line of this. We're going to flow straight into the communion now. And I just want to say this. In the light of what you've heard, this time is to remember once again, God's love for you. But having said that, tonight I want us to examine our love for God. How do I know how much I love God? Let me tell you how you know the way you treat others. <laughs> Can I have the guys up here that are going to serve the communion, if you wouldn't mind? Come. I want to read a scripture to you in the book of Luke. Jesus speaking here in Luke 22 on the night that he was betrayed. He says, and he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he said to them, this is my body which I'm giving to you. Just imagine in that upper room, Jesus sitting, he's just about to go and suffer the cruelest, most harsh suffering pain for you and I. Why? Because he loves us. 
He breaks the bread and he says, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. Take, eat. So tonight I want you to do that. Take his body that was broken for you. Take, eat. Because he says, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of that I love you. And in the same way, he says, in the same way, after the supper, he took a cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. It's so that we can walk in his divine love. Let me just say this. The fruit of the vine and the bread tonight, they tangible, physical reminders of Christ's love. That's what he wanted. He wanted you to touch that cup. He wanted you to touch that bread. They physical, tangible things. They say, my child, I love you. You're not condemned. I care for you. I have the best for you. You needn't have fear because perfect love casts out fear. And that's what I want you to do tonight when you take it. Because the scripture says here in in, uh, Corinthians 11, listen to this. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord... Let me read verse 28. He says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks this cup. Let us examine ourselves. Because the examining isn't to make you feel condemned because there's no condemnation in Christ. But the whole idea is to examine your heart and say, Lord, you know what? I haven't been walking in the love that I have been a little bit off track when it comes to my love. How's your love with Jesus tonight? So tonight as you take the elements, and what I'm going to ask is, we're going to serve everybody, these good, handsome, well, these guys are going to serve you guys. And just hold on to your bread and hold on to your cup tonight. And then we're going to take together. The Bible says when we come together, we take it together. Let us take tonight his body and his blood that flowed for us. And in taking this tonight, I want you to speak in your own heart and say, Lord, Where am I in relation to my love for you? And whatever you need to repent of, whatever you need to change, whatever decision you need to make for your life, make that decision before you leave this place. Will you do that? Amen. Come, let us serve the guys. Thank you. Just in this wonderful atmosphere, because I know there's a beautiful spiritual, wonderful atmosphere of God's presence here. And God wants to do a work in your life. Just exercise your faith tonight and and just don't run on feelings, but just on faith. Believe tonight. Say, Lord, I just want to surrender. We sang that beautiful song, I surrender. And I give you permission, Lord. Give God permission to work in your life and he will do that. Come, let us take and eat and spend this moment with the Lord. We worship you, Lord. In the beauty of this atmosphere, Father, as we consider your body that was broken for us, you said by your stripes we've received healing. We just want to ask tonight for those that are suffering with whatever their ailment is tonight. You are the healer. I just want to pray right now over this congregation where there's need of healing. Lord, that you would touch every life. You know every life. I pray that you would touch each one that needs a touch of God on their lives. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray for all of us, Father, that have come tonight and we've heard through your word what we should be doing, how we should be loving. 
that supernatural agape love that you put into our hearts so that we can supernaturally love like Jesus. May that be the way in which we live from this evening till Jesus comes to fetch us. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I trust you were blessed tonight. God's precious Holy Spirit. What a lekker evening in His presence. Man, you must care to come. It's belangrijk. If you see gaps around you, you must now drag somebody here. He'll mark all the way. We'll be happy to have them. We'll hug them and we'll love them. <laughs> Amen. Father, we just thank you for a, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're not weak, we're strong. Thank you for God so loved the world. Thank you that you defeated the enemy. And tonight we can walk in complete victory. We bless your church tonight, Father. May we go out into this week, Lord, and live out a life that loves, loves God and loves others. We praise and thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.